Welcome to On, on, on the Line, a podcast by The Fisherman, where men talk about the ups and downs of just what it means to be a Christian man in today's crazy world. So, get ready to cast your nets out into the virtual deep. Here's your host, Matt Hicks. Pull the pieces together. Pull the pieces together. Brothers in Christ, remember that because we're going to return to it momentarily. In this episode, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and crack the door open and let you guys inside my life and what's going on right now in this moment. Right now, there's an echo in my, in my living room where I'm recording this because there's nothing in it. There's nothing in this house. This house is empty, save for me, my protein powder, some coffee, and some flip-flops, and a couple of t-shirts. Everything in this house is boxed up back in Louisiana. This house in Virginia here that I'm sitting in has been sold. Thank the Lord it's been sold, and I'm soon to be out of it. That being said... I have no freaking idea where I am going. <laughs> have any of you ever out there had this situation where, okay, you've, you, you're leaving one place, but you don't know where you're going after that. And, and you're just like, okay, okay, Lord, I, I could use a little bit of direction and a little bit of help here because it is so easy in the good times to say, oh yeah, yeah. Trust in the Lord. Yep. Yep. Trust in the Lord. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide. And then, Boom, you got to actually trust the Lord because I don't know how all of this is going to work out. For my Catholic listeners out there, if you were in church a couple of Sundays ago, uh, this reading from Philippians may sound familiar to you if you were paying attention. Uh, And for my Protestant listeners, you will probably already know it because you already know your Bible better than we do. But anyway, uh, it said, you know, uh, have no anxiety at all. Have no anxiety at all, Paul is telling the people in Philippi, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And then the peace of God that surpasses everything will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so don't have anxiety is what you're saying. So, okay, I've got a house that's sold. I don't know where I'm going, but yet I'm not supposed to have any anxiety. And look, that's not just unique to that one passage, Paul, in that one place. Uh, That's everywhere in the Bible, okay? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, for for example. Cast all your anxiety, all of it, Lord? How about just some of it? How about some of it you can have? And then this part about my house and my job and my family and everything else, I'm going to hold on to that because, because why? Because I don't trust you? because I'm going to try to do all this on my own. My brothers in Christ, for me, my family, my wife, my almost three-year-old son, my seven-month-old daughter are back in Louisiana, and they have been back in Louisiana for almost a solid year now. I have been in Virginia alone, and I have gone back to visit them and to love them and be with them as much as I can, but my job is here outside of the D.C. area, um, for, for sake of not revealing too much, uh, I work for the government and I've got a very nice high paying job, but in my family, we have come to the point where it's 
well, we've well passed the point of it's no longer feasible for us to be together as a family unit here in the DC area and make it work for many reasons, many reasons. Uh, cost of living is one isolation from family and friends is another with two young kids. The list goes on, but safe to say my wife recognized that moved uh, the two kids back home with her parents where she could have more help and okay, well, I can't just quit my job, you know? Uh, so I continue to work. So I continue to work in hopes that somehow, some way, uh, they'll come back here. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this work by my own might. Well, let me tell you what happened. I have a very hard head. I am very stubborn. I can do things myself. I don't need anyone's help. If I just try hard enough, if I just work hard enough, I will make this happen. <laughs> well, let me tell you, sometimes when you get married, um, that's not the way things turn out. You see, marriage, for those of you who don't know, is a cooperation of two people. It's not 50%, 50%, it's 100%, 100%. That is to say, that's a healthy marriage. That is a godly marriage. I'm sure many of you listeners can look around you, and maybe it's in your own home, where there are atrocious examples of, quote, Christian marriages, where it's not 100%. 100%. It's skewed in one direction or the other, but that's not what God calls us to. And that's a podcast for another day, marriage. But suffice it to say, I had to lean in and listen to what my wife was telling me about her, about the kids, about the family. And while I'm over here trying to work really hard to pay the bills, to put food on the table, so they have nice things. She was telling me a different story. Hey, we're struggling and it's because we're here and we can't stay here. And brothers in Christ, it took a while. <laughs> it took a while and it took a lot of humility on my part, listening to my wife, but also listening to the Lord in prayer and what he was telling me to say, Hey, wake up, son, wake up, son. I didn't put you on this earth for a nice job for a high paying job, for a prestigious job where you can hobnob with a whole bunch of important people and travel all over. I put you on this earth for that woman and for those two kids. And your job, my son, is to take care of them. Ah, <laughs> come on, Lord. That's not the answer I'm looking for. Why don't you change her heart? Why don't you change this situation? I'm doing my part. I'm working hard, right? change them. Not me, not this situation. Guys, I wrestled with that for many, many months. And we all know what happens <laughs> when you're faithful in prayer and you're actually listening. And then God answers back. Because let me tell you how easy it is to pray. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. God, this is what I want. But how many of us actually listen to what God has to say in return? It's healthy to ask God for things and, and to bring things before him. Lord, I would like this job. Lord, I would like uh, this to work out. I would like this promotion. It's, it's good to let him know what you want. You should. But maybe, just maybe, that's not God's plans for you. You see, 
Think of it this way. I once heard someone said that God doesn't really say no to our plans, okay? That, that, that's not really helpful <laughs> in the moment when things seem to suck. God rather says yes, and that's easy, or God says, not right now, i.e. Maybe, maybe later, or I've got a better plan. Guys, whatever your situation is right now in life, and the things that you're praying for, good, because that means you're in prayer. But always, always, always keep open the possibility that God has another plan, maybe another plan that is not identical to yours. Because the all-knowing God that created you and me and the planets and stars and mathematics and Starbucks, this God is smarter than you and me and our measly little prayers. Yes, he wants our prayers. He, he loves our prayers. But when they don't work out the way you and I want them to, don't turn from him. Don't turn from him because he may be saying, hold on, hold on, Matt. Don't, just stay with me. Be patient. I've got something else for you. And guys, when we stay faithful in that vein, then good things happen to us. And we can look back on them later and say, oh, well, I could actually see what God had going there. I couldn't have seen that at the time. And I was really disappointed at the time that whatever didn't work out. Huh. But God actually seemed to know what he's doing. Well, I'll tell you that that's exactly where I'm at right now. Not just with this house, but with this job that I have to quit and find another job because I can't do this job in D.C. in Baton Rouge where my wife and kids are. So I have to find something else. I'm leaving uh, everything that I've worked for for the last six years and setting it aside. Why? For my family. And many, many people are telling me, are you crazy? What do you, why, why are you leaving this? You worked hard for this. It's good. It's stable. The problem's not with you. The problem's with them. They should get on board. <laughs> Don't you know that I've already wrestled with all of that in my head for the past several months is what I want to tell them. Rather, I smile and say, no, no, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. Because I pursued every avenue of trying to make this job work in Baton Rouge. I pursued every avenue of trying to think, how can I make this work? Who do I need to talk to? What, what rules do I need to bend? What, how, how do I? All for nothing. When it comes to a dead end and you have put a lot of prayer into it, that is God saying, no, my son, I have something else for you. In which case, he answered those prayers just in another way. And I have to be obedient to that because my path is righteous. I'm pursuing my family. That's what God calls us to. Number one in this life is our vocation, not our job is our vocation. And me as a man, as a father and as a husband is my number one vocation, not my job. When I die, God's not going to care how many famous people's hands I shook and how much money I made 
and whatever supervisory position I got to in the cool places that, but wait, Lord, hold on, let me into heaven. You don't understand. I got to go to Europe and I got to go to South America and I got to meet this person. God's not going to care. God's going to say, that's great. That's good. But what did you do with the people, the three people that I put in your life? Your marriage crumbled because you put more energy into a cool job than you did with your family. You, my son, were a crappy steward of what I entrusted you to. And oh, by the way, there's the elevator over there. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. I've already pushed the down button for you. I don't want to hear that. My job is to get my family to heaven. And how am I going to get my family to heaven and teach them the faith and teach my son and my daughter this beautiful Christian faith that we have? Because I'm their number one teacher, by the way. I'm priest, prophet, and king in my own home. That's the way it should be. The father should lead the household to God, not the mother. The mother plays her part, yes. But the father is the leader. The father leads the mother and the son and the daughter and however many children you've got. It's the father's job to do that. And no one else is not a school. We throw our kids in Christian schools and we think, oh, they'll teach them the faith. I paid a lot of money. The father's job, number one. Okay, so how am I going to do that? How am I going to teach my kids the faith? Among many other things that they need to know. How am I going to go fishing with my son? How am I going to take my daughter to daughter-daddy dances when I'm in Washington, D.C., mixing it up with cool people, and they're back in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, alone? All the pressure that puts on my wife, where now she has to be mother and father. But, 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 but sweetie, I'm sending you a paycheck. You should be happy. God, how mixed up is that? And let me tell you guys, I am in a place. I am in a place and a job that eh, I would almost say not worships that lifestyle, but um, it's very accepted. It's very accepted to be on your second and third wife. No, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really know my kids, but... Uh, but look at all the cool things that I've done. Look at the certificates on my wall. And, and I've done all these things. <laughs> Tell me about your wife and kids. Tell me about your family. Oh, wait a minute. You don't know them. I'd like to take them and say, quit this job. Quit it now and bring the pieces together. The pieces in this case, sir, are your wife and kids. Whatever wife you're on now your wife and kids, those are your pieces that you need to bring together. And guys, brothers in Christ, as you may know by the title of this website and this podcast and all this, this is a marriage, this is a family podcast. My number one goal is to strengthen the family and strengthen the men, particularly in families. Because as Sister Lucia of Fatima said and we just passed the 125th, if my math isn't mistaken, anniversary of uh, the Blessed Mother appearing at Fatima. She told them the last battle on earth, the very last battle, 
between the Lord God and Satan will be over the family, the family unit. And uh, who heads the family, by the way? Who is supposed to be the servant of the family? And that's what the head means, is the head servant, the father. So as I record this, I'm trying to pull my pieces together. I have a clear mission. I have a clear direction. That direction is due south and slightly west. A couple thousand miles to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's my mission. That's where I'm going. I have a destination in mind. In this moment, as I record these words, I'm not quite sure how that's going to look. <laughs> Step one, sell the house <laughs> so you can buy another one. Okay, got that done. Thanks be to God. There's a whole lot of other steps that need to come into place. Finding a job is another one. I can't just quit my job, run home, and then, hey, I'm here, guys. Let's go for some ice cream. What's going to happen when the kids get sick? My insurance is gone. I quit my job. I have no insurance. Oh, wait, bills are coming in? That's weird. I have no more income because I quit my job. <laughs> can't do that. I have to have another job. And I don't know what that looks like right now. I'm searching. But what I do know is this, that whatever that job will be, it's God ordained. Because I prayed and I prayed hard and God said, no, I've, I've got something else for you, my son. But you have to stay true to your mission. And there is no higher mission than the family. So now, in a sense, this is one of those times when I can say, God, you've got it. I'm not going to quite take my hands off the wheel and relax, but uh, I know whatever I'm supposed to do for a living next, you are going to put in front of me. <laughs> you know, it, it always makes me think of, uh, you know, I think I've got everything right. I think I've got things planned out and then I get a kick in the pants, you know, and then God sends me in a completely different direction. But I have to be humble enough to say, okay, I'm, I'm still praying here. I'm still faithful. This was your direction, not mine. And it makes me think of that, that Garth Brooks song, um, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. And I'm not going to sing it, but one of the lines, uh, and he's talking about relationships here, but it can apply to really everything. Okay. He says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs and just because he don't answer, doesn't mean he don't care because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Think about all the things that you pray for. You've prayed for in the past and golly, I think of so many, um, this particular job, God gave it to me for a reason for a certain amount of time. And now he's saying, my son, it's time to move on. But wait, 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 God, I prayed last month that you helped me keep this job and make it work. no, no, I've got something else for you. And I don't know what that is now. But what I do know is that maybe it'll be many years from now. I'll be able to look back and say, you know what? XYZ wouldn't have happened if I had stayed in Washington, D.C. Thank you, God, for unanswered prayers. Thank you, God, that you didn't answer that prayer for me to keep this job back then. You had something better in mind. And they're not really unanswered prayers, you see. It's just kind of a song, but 
they're answered. They're just answered in a different way. Now, of course, men, you have the option here to completely disconnect. You have the option of cutting that communication off and cutting that grace, that flow of grace off. Now, we don't see it and we rarely feel it, this grace, but it's there. I don't know how, I don't know how it works. Again, I don't know how mathematics works. I can't explain it. It just does. And there have been too many saints. There have been too much that's happened in the last 2000 years. And then, well, <laughs> the whole, whole Old Testament before that, that proves grace is real. You don't necessarily feel it. You just have to believe in it and stay true. You have to stay plugged in. You have to keep going to church. You have to keep praying. You have to keep, keep believing. Faith isn't just belief. It's many other things. But it's your job to figure what that is and then apply it to your life. And you stay consistent with that. Heaven knows that if I just broke that off and say, God, you didn't answer these prayers. You, you didn't keep my family together here. You didn't change my wife's mind. You didn't change the situation. You didn't uh, make it to where I could do this job back in Louisiana. Okay. Uh, so screw you, Lord. I'm out of here. I have that choice because, because God gives us free will. But where's that going to get me? <laughs> I know enough in my 40 years where I have said, no, God, I'll do it my way. And I have many, many times. I know where that gets me. And I don't like that place. I mean, it's kind of like the story of Jonah, for example. I love the story of Jonah. You know, the Lord told him, I need you to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to these people, to these ungodly people, to these heathens. And Jonah's like, I'm not going to Nineveh. Those people are crazy. No way. So he goes in the opposite direction of where, like the complete opposite direction of where God told him to go. And what happened to him? Well, the people, the ship that he was on started going through a storm and uh, they were about to sink. And the people on the ship figured out, hey, wait a minute, who, what's going on here? And he, Jonah's like, okay, okay, it's me. It's my fault. I ran away from God. Throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard. Well, that cleared up the storm. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. The fish spits him out three days later. And he's like, okay, Lord, <laughs> okay, you, you got me. All right, I'll go to Nineveh and preach repentance. So, I mean, storms, storms and fish, bad fish come into your life when you do not listen to God. And that just, you know, that brings to the whole other topic because it's so easy to sit here and spout pious religious platitudes and say, just listen to God, just pray, just go to church, all this. Kind of, what, is that, what does that actually mean? Because if you're like me, God doesn't come down on a cloud and speak to me or a burning bush or with this boom. You hardly even get feelings. You know, Lord, if I prayed and I just got this feeling, you know, would you just give me this feeling so I would know what to do? How many of us think that? I guess that's normal. That's human because that's usually, especially in this day and age, what we rely on. We rely so much on our feelings. But that is not how God talks to us. Rather, God's first language is silence. In fact, so silent that if you're not paying attention, you're probably going to miss it. And guys, I don't know about you, but it's really, really hard for me. Silence. 
I don't like silence. Even when I'm asleep, I got to have noise, a fan, an air conditioner, a sound machine, something. And I'm not trying to say that's wrong, but there needs to be periods in your life as a man where you shut your mouth and you say, okay, God, I'm here. Please, please talk to me. And you're probably not going to hear dooley squat. (laughs) And if you do, maybe you should have a podcast. Okay. But he will talk. And for me, God talks through other people. He talks through other podcasts. He talks through books. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's a, it's a nudge. But if I'm not silent, then I'm not going to hear it. You may as well be asking me to speak Chinese. It was Blaise Pascal you know, the French mathematician, physicist, inventor, philosopher. Oh yeah, he was a Catholic writer as well. He was Catholic. He was a Christian, okay? And he said, quote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. All of man's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That's hard. That's hard to do. To sit alone with my thoughts. I got to drown it out usually with something else. It's maybe good things. But for me, guys, the most helpful place to sit in quiet is in a church. Preferably in front of our blessed Lord in the Eucharist in a quiet, dark church. It's cold. And it's just beautiful. And I sit there and I, and I say my piece, Lord, blah, and then, and maybe all I get uh, when I leave is a, is a sense of peace. Maybe sometimes it's not even that I just walk out of there and I'm not a whole lot more jolly than I was walking in, but that in and of itself does something. That sets the stage for quiet. And then the Lord speaks, not with words, not necessarily with feelings, but he speaks, especially when you ask him to. Lord, take control here. I give it to you. I give you my thoughts. I give you my heart. I give you my words. Please guide them. You know, for Catholics in Mass, when we recite the Nicene Creed, um, which, by the way, all of us Christians believe in, um, when we get to the part where we say, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and then we bow right here, and we say, by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. And then we stand back straight and continue on for the sake, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, etc. You know, when I was, when I, when I was younger, and of course I'm Catholic, I, I, I always used to think that we bowed right there because why? Because we talk about the Virgin Mary, right? We're bowing for the Virgin Mary. Only recently did I realize, no, that's not why we bow there. We bow there because that's when we announce the incarnation. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Not because of Mary so much, 
But the incarnation, when God became man, when the word became flesh, was precisely in this moment in the creed, and that's why we bow. But in another sense, yes, because of Mary. Yes, because of Mary's yes. And that's my point. Mary said yes, thus we had the incarnation. And who knows what would have happened if with her free will, she would have said no. I have no idea. But the point is, she said yes to God's plan. And not just yes, she actually kind of went on a, on a little, uh, little tangent about, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, is what she told the angel Gabriel. Not just yes, I'll begrudgingly become the mother of God, uh, but uh, Lord, I, I want these conditions and I want these assurances and you, you have to assure me that I'm not going to get stoned. No, she didn't say that. She said, yes. And not only that, but you can consider me your handmaid. I will be your handmaid. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not completely familiar with all these things, all these terms, but dadgum, I'm pretty sure handmaid means I'm your servant. Not just, yeah, I'll do what you want, but I'll do whatever you want. And that's what she said. And I know that we have that story recorded in the Bible for us today to read because we are invited to do the same. We are invited to say yes to whatever the Lord has to say to us in our own little worlds, in Virginia, in Louisiana, in Minnesota, in China, and all of the distress in the Middle East that's going on right now, that individual person, that child of God, wherever they are, they're invited to say yes to God, a total surrender, a total surrender. Not this cheap, well, I'll, I'll keep a little bit for me. And uh -uh. The Lord is either Lord of your entire life or he is Lord of none of your life. And if you're not there yet, and you can honestly say, Lord, he's not Lord of my sexuality because I still watch porn. He's not Lord of my uh, appetite because I drink 20 beers a night and get wasted. Uh, he, he's not Lord of my finances because I don't tithe. Self-confession, that's something I need to get better at. Then he's really Lord of none of your life because he's an all or nothing God. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. He wants all of us. And I'll admit it's a journey, but what are the major blocks? What are the major blocks that you can knock out of your life and say, I'm going to turn this over to the Lord right now. My job is one of them guys, this job, if I'm to keep it, then I'm being selfish ultimately. And I'm not doing what's best for my family. So that means I have turned away from what the Lord is asking me to do. Lord, you are not Lord of my job. I'm going to keep going to mass on Sunday. I'm going to keep praying my rosary. I'm going to keep, you know, uh, putting a little dollar in the collection plate or whatever. I'm going to be nice to my neighbors. But you can't have this job. I want it because I get too much enjoyment out of it. I like hobnobbing with famous people. I like the prestige I like the money. You can't have that, Lord. What does that say about me? What is the Lord going to say to me at the end of my life? 
What I'm trying to say is that I have reached a point now where for me to be able to say, you're the Lord of this part of my life, my employment, I have to give it up. I have to give it up for my family. That doesn't mean I have to become a monk and I have to kneel on shards of glass when I pray and go off into some cave and take my family there or quit this job and have no employment and just run around like Mother Teresa and be a missionary. No, that's not what God, God's calling me to do. I have responsibilities. I have a responsibility, a big responsibility to put money in our bank account so I can take care of my wife and kids. Yes. But what God is saying is, son, it's not this job anymore. It may have been for the last six years, but it's not anymore. And I'm going to lead you to something else. And I do believe that when I get my judgment at the end of my life, at least for this particular point, <laughs> maybe there's many other things that, that God's going to shake his head with, but I know for this point, God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm pleased with you. But <laughs> the but to that is it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy to leave this job. It doesn't make it easy to live, to leave the life that I have built for the last six years. It's not easy. And read your Bible. When is it easy for followers of Christ? Christ tells us it's not going to be easy. He says, Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross and follow me. In Luke's gospel, Jesus did not tell his disciples, did not tell them, fulfill yourself. Pick up your dreams and follow me. No. No, he said, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And again, brothers in Christ, that doesn't mean that we just have to take a whip and beat ourselves on the back like that scene from uh, the Da Vinci Code, you know, every day and just, just make ourselves miserable. But what that does mean is that you have to have this relationship with God through prayer in large part to be able to know what he's saying. Because if I didn't pray and I didn't believe, I would have no idea, no clue that, well, maybe I should do something different with my life. I probably wouldn't. I would probably be selfish and continue on this path. You could argue that a moral person would just go back to his wife and kids and make things. Okay, that may be true. And you may stumble upon the right path being that way, being an atheist or not giving this part of your life control over to God. But as a believer, I know and I feel certain that whatever comes next, and I will update you guys as these things happen for further proof. <laughs> um, I know that if I follow that, it will be right and it will be rightly ordered and there will be joy in my life. Because let's be honest, that's what we want. We want joy in our lives. Not just happiness, but joy. And as hard as this is to leave this career and leave the money and all this other stuff, it brings me joy to go back home to my wife and kids. That's where I want to be. Maybe making less money. Maybe a lot less prestige. Okay. 
but there's joy in that. You can experience a little bit of sadness and be happy and be joyful at the same time. So what the Holy Moses is supposed to happen. And that's my washing machine in the background, real life guys. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Proverbs three, six, he will direct my steps. Okay. What else you got for me? Bible. I know the plans I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Mark one talks about that still small voice. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Zechariah, all of these quotes, the Bible is just replete with it. Stop relying on yourself and trust in me. But guys, one thing that you never hear, or the thing that maybe I've just never connected is that doesn't mean that it's a blind faith. Ah, Lord will take care of it. Lord will take care of it. I don't have to do anything. No, you have to keep trying and then you have to plug that into prayer and belief. And then if it doesn't work out and you do everything you could like I did with this job and I still got the big no, then you know that's part of God's will. That's how you know. And that's how you make better decisions moving forward. And if I can't harp on it enough and you take nothing else away from this third podcast of mine, your family. Take care of your family. There's a Catholic psychiatrist named Dr. Ray Garundi, you know, and he says, unless you're married to Hitler's sister or Hitler, then you can do it. Your marriage is worth it. You may have to put up with a lot and you may have to accompany your wife in a better direction or your husband in a better direction if you're a woman listening to this. Or maybe they have to accompany you and put up with your mess. Because none of us are perfect. And all of us need help. Some more than others. And some at different times and different seasons. There are so many different seasons in life. And this particular season in my life with my wife, when we have two young kids, this job that I'm currently in, this great job, right? It's a blessing. But it's no longer for me at this season. Maybe, oh, for sure, when I was single uh, 15 years ago, this would have been the best job ever. And maybe 10 years from now, when the kids are a little bit older, again, great job. Right now in this season of my life, no. And so with prayer and with belief and with talking to God and shutting my pie hole, he says, son, I got something else for you. I'm not going to tell you just yet, but believe in me and make these hard decisions. I know we want that, that glory cloud to come down like with Moses and the Israelites in the desert and, and the glory cloud, the Shekinah would come down, right? And, and then ah, that's where we know to pitch our tent. And then the cloud stays there. And when the cloud picks up and goes, they follow the cloud, right? That's what we want. We want this cloud to come down and just show us the way. It doesn't work like that in the 21st century, but that doesn't mean God's presence is not equally as powerful in here. It's just manifested in a different way. My brothers and sisters, 
Thank you for listening. Let's end in prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, our Father, we first acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And we realize that your plans are better than ours. May you give us the wisdom to tap into your prayer, to tap into your wisdom with our prayers, and give us the strength to follow through, to bring our pieces together. And the biggest piece is you, Lord. Help us put our pride aside and develop humility. And help us to love those that you have entrusted to us with all our hearts. Direct us, Lord, as we humbly put our trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, men. Thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you. On the Line is a production of The Fisherman, a holy family ministry. Visit us at holyfamily.live.